When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Looking to build wealth beyond the stock market? Gain access to alternative investment opportunities once reserved for the ultra-wealthy with Yield Street. Build a diversified portfolio with investments such as real estate, art, commercial finance, and other alternatives typically with low stock market correlation and targeting annual yields of up to 15%. Yield Street investment minimums start at $1,000. Head to YieldStreet.com to join over 275,000 members and create your account today. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Odyssey Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawoski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Chelios in overtime! Fardo Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the Tains! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! Falling back, circle and drive, skipped it from Scott! The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Play the center for Tains, you got to break away! Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Sins In-Law Group, let's drop the puck. Welcome in, one and all Blackhawks fans. This is indeed the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast postgame show. My name is James Naveau from NBC5, and with me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of Odyssey, of WBBM, of the I'm Fat Podcast. He loves hockey as much as anybody in the world, and he's excited <laughs> as all get out tonight. The Blackhawks shut out the Montreal Canadiens. Jonathan Taves scores his first goal of the season. First goal in a long time since, or first regular season goal since March of 2020. And oh yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury made some history tonight. It was a real, it was a fun night. It was a very cool night in Montreal. Uh, Hawks win to nothing, as you mentioned. Marc-Andre Fleury with win number 500, shutout number 69. <laughs> nice. Okay, I was, I was leaving it in there for you. 
So a bunch to discuss. Thanks for tuning in. At MadhousePod on Twitter, Madhouse underscore pod on Instagram, MadhousePod at gmail.com. Thanks to everybody that's been ordering stuff from our T Public shop. Thursday, December 9th is slash was the deadline to guarantee shipping by Christmas. So if you are listening to this late on Thursday, you can still get in. If not, you probably still have a pretty decent chance, but it's not guaranteed you'll get it by then. But still, go to our T Public shop. The link is in our social media bio. So if you miss the game, and it's understandable, the Hawks aren't very good, and you don't you can do yourself the mental health break and not watching them every night. You miss an awesome moment. We mentioned the 500th win. We mentioned the game being in Montreal. Give this a listen, this courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. Down to 20 left. And listen to the crowd. Flurry, they're chanting. Flurry, flurry, it sounds like. Here's a loose puck for Kane. The clock winds down. Flurry, flurry is the chant from the home side for the French Canadian. How about that, man? What a moment. In a, in a season full of crappy moments on and off the ice, uh, that was really refreshing and really cool to see. And uh, what a showing by the Montreal fans. And uh, there's very few markets where you would probably see that happen, that you could expect to see something like that happen. Uh, Montreal might be the only one, but man, was that awesome. What an awesome moment. And uh, it had to mean the world to Marc-Andre Fleury, a guy who clearly has made a huge impression on his teammates, like Pat Foley said, in just a short amount of time. And everywhere he goes, people sing his praises about one of the best guys in hockey. So, I mean, absolutely great moment. Very cool that a legend who will probably not be remembered as a Blackhawk uh, has a huge moment <laughs> as a Hawk. Almost as impressive as when Peter Bondra scored his 500th goal as a Blackhawk. Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or Chris Kunitz played his 1,000th career game as a Blackhawk. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. this I'll take this one. Of all those, I'm going to lean on this one the most when I think back historically. But, um, yeah, man, such a cool moment. And I still now and again have to kind of pinch myself that Marc-Andre Fleury's on the Hawks. And I have these fantasies of them like re-signing him for a year and kind of making it more than like a one-year thing or like up to the deadline thing. But let's enjoy it while it's here. He's an awesome guy. Fastest goalie in history to 500 wins, uh, which is obviously impressive. I wonder if it's all said and done. I don't know if he'll pass Brodeur. It's going to be tough. That's a that's a pretty big number. But, uh, hey, man, everybody loves Marc-Andre Fleury. And uh, what a night, man. Awesome to see it happen. Yeah, 694 wins, I think, for uh, Martin Brodeur, so that probably would be a pretty uh, steep mountain for Flurry to climb. Especially but... if the Hawks re-sign him. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it certainly does not take away from the instant impact that he's made on his teammates and the quality play that he's putting out on the ice, especially recently. I think that... A lot of Blackhawk fans were curious to see what would end up happening with Flurry when he came over from Vegas, considering he wouldn't be playing behind one of the best defenses in the NHL. You weren't sure if we were going to get Vesna caliber Flurry or if something else was going to, you know, be the case with him. 
but as throughout as the season has gone on, you've realized what a special netminder he really is and how much he realistically does still have left in the tank. He's still an incredibly athletic goalie. He's still able to make some just mind-melting saves at times, and he didn't really get tested a ton tonight. Montreal, I think, went the first two periods without any high-danger chances, if I saw that correctly. They were not really threatening much at all. But, I mean, in this recent run of success for Flurry, he has just been making all of these incredibly difficult saves, been keeping the Blackhawks in games, and this is a well-earned accomplishment in a really stellar career, one that's going to end with him certainly in the Hall of Fame, although I doubt it will be in a Blackhawks jersey. I think <laughs> that uh, that's a fairly safe thing to say. But... What would it take? Like Marc-Andre <laughs> Fleury has to play until he's like 42 and then win, he'd have to win at least a cup here, right? Right. There's are, no are they, way. Is it like the? Uh, is it like MLB where you can't buy a player's uh, allegiance <laughs> in the Hall of Fame? Remember uh, the Rays They're paid really... Wade Boggs to put his their logo on his hat in the Hall of Fame. Well, the NH the Hockey Hall of Fame doesn't really like. It's just a picture of the guy, and it, the True. uniform is not typically visible who it is. Um, but yeah, so it's not really. I don't know. I it's not going to happen. It doesn't matter. But it's just it's just awesome that we <laughs> I were just able like, to. I like having the discussion because it's fun. Yeah, I, I just it's just awesome we were able to witness it again in a in a season full of crappy moments. Um, this is great. And and look, it, it, I feel bad for Jonathan Taves because the other big story of the night is he gets his first <laughs> goal of the year, a redirect yeah. on a point shot from Seth Jones, uh, right along the goal line. By the way, Seth Jones now the Blackhawks' leading scorer. Yes, he is. With 23 points in 26 games. Uh, Patrick Kane behind him, 22 points in 21 games. So Seth Jones has four more games played. So that that's a difference there. Right. But still, uh, he continues to play really well. And we're I think we've gotten to the point with Seth Jones where it's like we don't have to talk about it anymore because he's really figured things out and he's become the guy we all thought, or not we all thought, but a lot of us thought he would be. But just so happy for Taves. You could see him. On the bench, clearly relieved. I think he made the motion like the monkey's off my back. And then he was the first guy at the uh, podium after the game and just had a like a smile on his face I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. So hopefully they keep coming for him now because I think he's been playing reasonably well. You know, he's not the same guy he was, and we know that. But uh, if he can start putting the puck in the back of the net now and again, that would be really helpful because the Hawks can't score. <laughs> Well, first of all, Jonathan, thank you so much for uh, torpedoing my brilliant idea that I had today. <laughs> I was going to announce on the show that for every shot that Taves takes until he scores his first goal, I was going to donate money to a dollar to the Chicago Youth Foundation, which helps uh, young people throughout the city play hockey. It's an awesome organization. I know Evan Moore has done some great work with them, and I was going to donate money for every shot. And then the idiot had to go and score today, so it kind of screwed it all up. So <laughs> I still made the donation. Would encourage you to do the same, but I had to give uh, I had to give Jonathan Tabes a little bit of grief for that one, just a smidgen, though. Sweet, um, I, will, I will match you on that donation. That's a great sentiment, so I will match you on it. I appreciate that, and I also appreciate Jonathan for ruining my scheme. Um, well, he, you he, know what? He looked at you and he's like, "This guy, he just bought a palatial mansion in Kankakee." <laughs> I got to help him out a little bit, so he put the, the puck the in the Chateau Nouveau. Chateau which, Nouveau, which, yeah. So, so good to talk about that on a night that the Blackhawks were in Quebec. I feel like it's super appropriate to 
do that. Did we want to talk more about Taves's game, or did we want to talk? This is kind of the big story to me from going into the game yeah. was the complete and utter craziness of the line combinations tonight. <laughs> if you didn't watch the game, yeah. here's how the Blackhawks lined up. The first line was Henrik Borgstrom centering Alex DeBrincat and Patrick Kane. The second line was Jonathan Taves centering Brandon Hagel and Reese Johnson. The third line was Kirby Doc with Dominic Kubelik and Philip Kurashev. And then Josiah Slavin, Jay's guy, My guy. W- was centering <laughs> Ryan Carpenter and Mike Hardman. And I got to tell you, the first, uh, the big chunk of the first period, it looked abysmal. The eye test was being flunked by everybody wearing white. And yet the Blackhawks somehow won the possession battle convincingly in that period and ended up splitting the possession battle for the rest of the game. And I thought had the major the plurality of the chances, the high quality looks at the net, and of course the goals. And it's just it's wild to me that somehow these line combinations worked. And lo and behold, Jonathan Taves scores his first goal of the season. And Henrik friggin' Borgstrom scores a goal. What a wild night this was in that department. It really was. And I I need someone to explain the Reese Johnson thing for me. And again, I, I have to say, I kind of qualify it every show. Like, I don't have anything against him. It's more the concept of him because I don't really get what he's providing Okay, so all I just don't. Here, here's here's the thing they provided that line combined for twelve hits tonight. Okay, <laughs> I just, they combined for twelve hits tonight. Um, I I'm looking at the the advanced metrics. They all were they were the Blackhawks' three worst forwards in terms of uh uh possession. call possession. There you go. There's a word. Man, why I hate when I blank on words like that. Anyway, they were the worst in terms of possession, which kind of explains why they had to keep hitting is because they never had the puck. Correct. Uh, Reese Johnson had four of those 12 hits. So, I look, I, I get it. You want guys that can play physically. You need all sorts of hockey players, but you've already – it's just so redundant. It's so redundant. And then today, they trade, trade Crad – who can't talk now? They trade – Crad Chiss. They trade <laughs> – I still can't do it. Chad Chris. Is that right? They trade Chad Chris. Is it Chad Chris? He's been in the yeah. Hawks forever. My my mouth a is second like. Round, a second round draft pick in 2016. Crad Chiss. Crad Chiss for Peter Gabriel or something. And I, I just. Why do why the Hawks Curtis, trade? For, why are we trading? Curtis for, Gabriel has 140 penalty minutes in 49 games. Has five points. I'm fair to Midland sure that dude's just around to punch faces. I think that's probably why the Blackhawks wanted him. Great, because you know what they need more than anything is more guys that can't put the puck in the net. And I can't Britain wait. Sandpaper, my friend. I can't wait till uh, Alex DeBrincat is healthy scratch. So what is his name again? Curtis Gabriel, so he can get in the lineup and punch <laughs> some people. And let me ask you this: oh my God, how in the heck? Can Dylan Strome and Alex Nylander not crack this lineup? It's unbelievable. And I can't, 
And I also can't believe we're asking these types of questions in this way after a 2-0 victory. God, we're spoiled. No, but I mean, look, you, you talked about the storylines heading into the game, and Montreal just sucks. I'm sorry. Like, they're... How that team was so good last year is beyond me. Like it's it's unbelievable. They they are they are lost. Like they they don't know how to play hockey anymore. But Dylan Strom has a goal against the Rangers in the game in New York. Or I'm sorry, against the Islanders. Then has an assist against the Rangers, and then he's healthy scratch. Like what are we doing here? Unless there's a trade imminent, he's got to be playing. When you're not putting the puck in the net, he's got to be playing. And look, I know. Everyone loves loves Derek King because a he's not Jeremy Cowton and b he's Mr. Gregarious and he's funny and he's self deprecating and I like that about him too and I think overall he's done a really good job but there's no reason to have Johnson and Hardman and Slavin and I like Slavin you know that you don't need yeah. all these dudes at the same time it's just you need one of those guys in there you need one of Johnson or Hardman Slavin I'll keep in. But it's just like, my God. Yeah, you're right. What, is, what does Alex Nylander have to do to get a call up? Apparently, uh, I don't know, find some nude photos of somebody. Well, I, don't know. I mean, like the only the only ally he had in the organization has, air quotes, resigned. So yeah. he might just never. I mean, maybe he's just a career AHL dude who lights up the league and is the best player in the AHL and everyone's happy and everyone goes home. But for a team that struggles Who was that career so NHL AHLer that the Blackhawks got from the Maple Leafs all those years ago or traded to the Maple Leafs I forget it was like he would literally had it felt like a thousand AHL oh. points and could just never crack the NHL Yes I can't think of who you're talking about but I know what you're talking about someone is We have a lot of people it. yelling at their radios yeah. right now I'm never going to think of it so just keep screaming um, Okay but yeah I mean look I maybe we're we're nitpicking a little bit but this uh, for a team that has offensive issues to have Dylan Strom on the bench at all. And I, look, I, I, if, if he was healthy, would you have Reichel here right now? Oh, uh, yeah, I probably, I would yeah. personally. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just interested in what the philosophy is, right? Are you just going to try to win every game two to one? I just, I just don't think they're built that way. And, and yeah. when we sort of were talking about, and of course, as we were evaluating the season as it was approaching, we were doing it with the mindset of the Jeremy Cowden coach Blackhawks, which is a different team. Um, but you, you, we were thinking they're going to be winning games or playing games that are 6-4, 6-5, and that's how most nights would look. But just for whatever reason, and, and Pat Foley mentioned it, they're getting no production from their centers. Tonight yeah. was an exception, right? Like Borkstrom scored, Tave scored, but... They said each center in the game against the Rangers had one shot on goal. That's almost impossible. When centers have the puck as much as they do, how can that be? And Kirby Doc scored, which is great. All that stuff is wonderful. But And Borgstrom and Tave scored tonight. But it's just, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's a systemic thing that's just not getting the puck to the centers enough or where they're positioned when the puck comes their way. Because I can't think of many opportunities where the center's been like in the slot with a chance to score. Now Doc had one today that he airmailed. Um <laughs> you know, but but the goal he scored the other day was was in front of the net. The Borgstrom was in front of the net, but they're not getting numerous chances to score from there. So I don't know. I it's interesting. It's an interesting thing to keep an eye on because Taves, Doc, Borgstrom are all guys we thought if nothing else they could score. 
and uh, it just hasn't been the case this year. So good to see Taves, Borgstrom, and Doc score over the last few games. So hopefully that starts a trend. Um, but it's just it's kind of hard to figure out, and and especially now that Strom is scratch, it's like well, I, I just don't get. I, I want. I'm trying to figure out the philosophy of of why you have four third, four fourth liners on your team when you've got a guy who's a proven NHL point producer and Dylan Strom sitting on the bench, yeah, or a guy who still is relatively young and Alex Nylander. I think that that's a really fair question to ask about both of those guys and it does kind of speak I guess to the way that Derek King is kind of constructing this roster I did want to point out a kind of a common thread with Dylan Strome and kind of the relationships that he's had with the coaches Jeremy Colleton and Derek King however I did want to mention TJ Brennan is the name Ah, I pulled out of the the ether who played it was I believe 700 AHL games and had 478 points in go. the AHL. So Good pull. there's the AHL legend we were thinking <laughs> of. Um, my, I have a theory for you, Jan. I'm okay. going to run it by you. Let's do it. Do you think that the common thread uniting the idea of why Dylan Strome keeps ending up in the doghouse is because it's the same doghouse that Mark Crawford is involved in both situations since he's still behind the bench? Do you think it's a Mark Crawford thing? It's a good question. I I mean, I'm not going to – I don't want to speculate, but it could be because what we do know is he has really been the guy running the practices. But how many videos have we seen, you know, from morning skates or whatever where Derek King has Dylan Strom pulled aside and they're talking for an extended period of time and then Dylan Strom doesn't play that night, right? Like we've yeah, seen a lot true. of that too, so – Look, if, if what my source told me last episode is true, and if you missed it, I was told by a team uh, source in the team that work ethic is a problem for Dylan Strom, that he's just not working hard enough and is is kind of the quote was lazy. Um, coaches don't want to reward that. And I, I've seen that in every level of sports I've ever played. Whenever there's a guy who might be more talented than someone, but they're not working hard they almost always are made to sit out or, or lose minutes or whatever sport you're talking about, right? Fewer at-bats, however you want to go, to yeah. try to send a message. And I don't know, I just... Strom seems like a really smart guy. Like, you know, interviews with him, he's really well-spoken, he's really thoughtful. I find it hard to believe he's not getting that message. I think he, he's just probably frustrated and can't get into a rhythm, and he's doubting himself. Like, we talk about this all the time. These guys are human beings, and this stuff affects them. And I don't think he's making a conscious decision to not work hard. It doesn't Certainly sound not. Yeah, it, 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 there's nothing to me that indicates Dylan Strom is like a problem in the locker room where he's just defiantly not working hard to, to pout. Everyone has sort of said that his attitude's been okay, right? From everything I can recall. I yeah. just, you know, when you're when you're so clearly strapped for scoring and you've got a guy with a two-game point streak, to take him out is weird. It's also the same thing that happened last year. The Blackhawks had umpteen bajillion injuries and refused to play Dylan Strome, even though they were bringing up guys from the, you know, ECHL or whatever to (laughs) fill in gaps. They still steadfastly refused to play Strome. It is absolutely fascinating. And somebody mentioned tonight, they said maybe they're saving him for an incoming trade and, 
who's trading for him right now? No one wants to pay that guy three million dollars. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 very weird. I I I, I just can't figure out what the holdup is. Maybe why don't you here? You've got two teams in the league with the same problem. You've got Boston with Jake DeBrusque, and you've got the Hawks with Dylan Strome. Just trade them for each other. Maybe yeah. the, maybe the change of scenery helps out both guys, right? Maybe that's what both guys need. Strome can be in the uh, in the Eastern Conference playing against his brother all the time. I don't know. I think both guys need to change the scenery. Why don't you just accommodate each other and make it happen? I don't know. Yeah. Like, what do you have to lose? It, it, it's come to a head with both guys. And I know whenever these things pop up, it just seems like, oh, it's an obvious. Everyone kind of throws that obvious idea out. But this one really does seem to make some sense because I think both teams are worried about. Look, if I trade low on this guy and then he turn and he gets back to where he was, we're going to have egg on our face. Well, if the Hawks in Boston decide to trade Strom for DeBrusque, then it's kind of an even Right. It doesn't feel like kind of an even risk in that sort of a trade. Would the Blackhawks have to uh, clear any cap space since DeBrus' cap hit is higher than Strom's? Uh, Strom is at what, three? Right. I think Strom's at three, and DeBrusque is, I think, a little under 3.7. They probably have to figure something out. Let's see. I'm looking here. 3.65 for DeBrusque. Um, I mean, yes, of course, those things, like, they matter. They have to happen. You got to figure it all out. Uh, I'm just trying to see if there's anywhere the Hawks can really clear cap space on their roster. Um, Because all the guys, you know, they technically do have cap space right now because of long-term injured reserve. I will point that out. Yeah. But if you just, you know, if you send Mike Hardman down or something, then that makes up the difference. So it's, it's nothing that's insurmountable, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I, it's probably a pipe dream that it happens. It, it, It just almost makes too much sense to happen. But for for the sake of Dylan Strom, just trade him already. Yeah, Get, you know, give him because whatever it is, it doesn't feel like he's going to figure it out here because he's not going to be given the chance to figure it out here. If hey, the they, guy, they let Goddett go try to find figure it out somewhere else, why not Strom? Well, yeah, and I hope they don't just like drop him like they did with Goddett. I know they want to get something back for him, and maybe they feel like, hey, at the deadline, he'll have a little more value. But not if he's not playing. If he's going to say if he's in and out of the lineup every night, then teams are going to say, well, there must be something really wrong with him or bad about him because the Hawks can't score and they're not playing him. Like, I don't know. I, I see the desire to wait and maximize the value, but I feel like waiting too long could have an opposite effect. Right. So hopefully Kyle Davidson is considering all those things and I'm sure he is. It's just sometimes it's a little bit hard to, to understand as we look at it from a distance, you know? I just I just kind of chuckled because we went from the highs of Mark Andre Fleury getting his 500th win and Jonathan Taves getting his first goal, and then just went into this deep conversation about the Blackhawks still can't score and what the heck's going on with Dylan Strome. What a what a podcast this! Is. Well, you know, it, but it matters. Like it do, yeah, it does matter yeah. because as we're evaluating Kyle Davidson as a GM and we're evaluating Derek King as a coach, these little decisions matter. And yeah. why are they being made? And I know, look, like King hasn't been shy about it. He has said, like, we need more from him. There's more to his game than he's giving us and yada, Ooh, yada, yada. I've he, heard that phrase from a Blackhawks coach before. Yeah, but yeah, Q used to say, well, yeah, we need more. All the time. Yeah, but that, that was his way of saying, if you, 
uh, if you, I heard an interview with him this summer with, uh, with, with chief, um, and, and Q would kind of decoded himself. He said, if he was just okay, it meant he sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that would, that was always the deco- decoder with Q. And, and I think that, I don't know, you either got to play Strom and hope that he catches fire and then trade him or I don't know. I, I just don't think what they're doing with him now is helpful for anyone. Not the player, not the team, on the ice, not his trade value, nothing. It's really benefiting no one, especially when he's contributed in the last two games and assists against the Islanders, a go against the Rangers. Like, he's producing. He is showing that he can produce. They're not giving him the chance. He's 24 years old. Let's give yeah. this guy a chance or just effing trade him. That's what I say. Hey, after well, over a decade of prosecuting yeah. homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, our buddy Kent Simpson opened his own firm over 21 years ago, because now it's another year, uh, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, jet skis, zeppelins, skateboards, Vespa scooters, rollerblades, roller skates, Healy shoes, and buses. Construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence, and birth injuries, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves, with millions recovered for their clients. Simpson Law Group charges you no fees unless they win for you. So call now for a free consultation, 312-332-2107, or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. That's S-I-N-S-O-N LawGroup.com. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. Call now. And please, start getting injured at work. So you need Ken Simpson. <laughs> so he's happy about our partnership. If you get in a dirigible accident, please <laughs> call Ken. Yes, please do. We need him to maintain his business. So start getting hurt at work more often, you jerks. Think about us for once. Man, <laughs> I wonder if that opens us up to a lawsuit if somebody deliberately gets hurt at work. Oh, we hold should on. ask him about that. Please do not take these comments made by the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast seriously. <laughs> comments and are our satirical. Relationship with them has been terminated. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, so I think we have uh, exhausted the conversation on this game. We're going to take a real quick time out. Don't go anywhere, but a few things we got to get to before we wrap up the show. First, the Jujar Kara injury and hit. We've got to talk about Chris and Kaylee Chelios, and I want to give you a little nugget on something really cool happening in the world of video games. That's all next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We spent the first segment of this show talking about some historic and epic moments for the Blackhawks this evening as Marc-Andre Fleury got his 500th career victory and his 69th career shutout. And Jonathan Taves scored his first goal in forever. Insert effect there. But now we have other issues to tackle and attend to, and I think the first one we should start with is an update on the health of Jujar Kara, who was laid out by just a massive hit in Tuesday's game against the Rangers, was released from the hospital, no timetable yet on his return. Jacob Truba of the Rangers, who laid the hit on uh, Kara, was not suspended or fined for the hit, Jay. Did you think that was the right decision by the NHL? I'm going to be honest with you. I was so, like, sickened by the whole thing that I didn't, like, Zapruder film it. I just... uh... 
when they showed it, I looked away and didn't look very hard. Um, from most, from what I've seen, most people say it was probably suspendable, but kind of borderline. Like it's really hard to in real time, perfectly align your hit, especially when a guy is skating towards you with his head down. Um, but honestly, dude, I just could not bring myself to watch it. I was kind of frustrated that they kept showing it on the broadcast. I know you kind of have to do that to show what happened, but man, that was really hard for me. I don't know what it was about that one. It was just really hard for me to watch. And, um, the way he went down and whenever you see the opposing team react that concerned yeah, is, I don't know that it freaked me out. Like the last time I felt that way, James was when he stopped Choi went down. Do you remember that? I do remember and that. Yeah. Th- there was honestly a moment where people were wondering if he was still alive. Yep. And I don't know if I ever thought that about Kara because we saw you could see his stomach going up and down and you saw the arm like go up and down a couple times. But just I, it was really hard for me to like go back and revisit that hit for I don't know. For whatever reason, that one was really hard for me to watch. Um, so I guess I'm sort of copying out. I don't have a super strong opinion either way on if there should have been a suspension. I will say this. Truba is a guy who is a hard hitter. He is a guy who had another hit like that the other night. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I have to say incomplete answer, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Well, I the way I kind of look at it is that it was borderline, at least to me. I know that he was not, he wasn't trying to hit Kara in the head. I think that he was trying to hit him in the chest and Kara was looking down for the puck, which is something that you're taught as a hockey player that you really shouldn't be doing in that area of the ice. I will concede all of that, but I will also say that Truba did come up on the hit, did make principal point of contact into Kara's chin. I thought that the NHL would have been well within its rights to suspend Truba for a couple of games for that hit. I don't think that it was malicious. I just think that it was ill thrown, I guess would probably be the phrasing I would use for that. But I would also echo your sentiments about just how horrific the hit was, how I did not need to see it more than once. It was just a moment that you just felt the, you know, something in the pit of your stomach, the, players look shaken the fans look shaken uh the thing the memory that'll stand out for me I think for all of that is that the Blackhawks did immediately start to go at Jacob Truba but Ryan Strom skated over to Kara and was trying to protect him from kind of that melee because he knew there was something really seriously wrong with him so I got to give Ryan Strom credit for recognizing that situation and making sure to immediately alert the Blackhawks bench just just how serious it was. So kudos to him and hopefully Kara makes a, you know, fast recovery, a full recovery. I don't know when he'll be back out on the ice, but he is a guy that made definitely made an impact on the Blackhawks roster coming over here this season. And, you know, aside from just wanting him to be healthy and fully functional and all that, I would love to see him back out on the ice again this season. So, uh, Prayers to him for a uh, speedy recovery. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you said it. There's no real timeline, and you know, as we know from you know, just being hockey fans, the concussions are really tricky. And uh, that was a big one, obviously. Um, I, you know, it's something I've noticed over the last little bit is it does seem like this team is sort of tight knit, and you know, controversy and drama will unite sometimes. And with everything going on with. Um, Jeremy Cowton and the coach getting fired and a new coach coming in and all the stuff with Stan Bowman, like that sort of stuff can solidify a team. It doesn't mean it makes them better at hockey, 
but you can tell they're a little more they're a little more tight knit. Like the way they all reacted when Flurry got his win, the way they all came onto the ice when uh, Kara was hurt. Like they weren't having it. Like you know, you're not supposed to cross center ice, but they were all going to check on him. A bunch of guys went over and, and said something to him as he was leaving the ice on the stretcher. Um, you know the way that. Uh, the, the a bunch of Hawks wanted to jump off the ice. I saw these post-game comments as we were podcasting here. Somebody said that the whole team wanted to jump off the ice and go hug Jonathan Taves right yeah. after he scored his goal. So <laughs> you're seeing a team come together and play hard. And I think that's one thing that, you know, save for obviously the emotion of that Rangers game, uh, you, you know, Derek King said it. Some of the guys just had the wind taken out of their sails seeing that. And when you've got a young team and you pro- maybe have never seen a guy hurt like that before, it can do that. But aside from that, this is a team that's played hard. They come up short, but they play hard and they play for each other. And, you know, that that's a significant portion of the battle. And by the way, you're right to give props to Ryan Strome because fortunately in this instance, Carol was hit and then the scrum took place like away from him. How many times have we seen a guy get boarded or knocked down violently and then the guys start to gather and fight around the guy as he's unconscious on the ice it happens all the time and i hate it so good for ryan strom to sort of say hey hey, knock the crap off we got a serious problem here and let the hawks know then the other thing that no one really talked about panarin shortly after that pretty pretty horrible board on calvin dehan he got penalized oh, yeah. for it, but it was a yep. dirty hit. And it was fortunate that DeHaan was was farther away from the boards than he could have been because that could have been another serious injury. Panera, was a, that was a dirty hit by him on that play. Completely agree, and I think that that kind of did get lost in the shuffle a little bit after what had happened. Everybody was kind of celebrating Panarin getting his 500th career point last night and taking their opportunity to kind of flambe the Blackhawks once again for trading the one-trick pony away. And uh, <laughs> one of my friends was watching the game with me on Tuesday night, and he actually said, wonder if Jay still thinks he's a one-trick pony. Well, his goal so. was a one-timer for the record, so... <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. I thought it was hilarious that even all these years later, I still there are still listeners and friends of this podcast. That Can't live it down. I remember should, that. By the way, I fully admit I should not live it down. I should be that should be held <laughs> over my head forever, just like James wanted to keep Martin Havlett over Marion Hosa. There I said it. We, we all ha- we all have our. We all uh, got the one. Yeah, we all have the thing that kind of hangs around our necks. Uh, the shameful millstone. Um, so I just, I just thought that was funny, but I, I do think that it, it did get lost in the wash and should have been talked about more. That was a, I would concur with you that it was definitely a dirty hit. Like you cannot hit a guy in the numbers in that position. And Dehan is very lucky that he did not get injured. So, uh, bullet dodge there by the Blackhawks. Just not a, not a great night on Tuesday night overall. After that, uh, Kara hit happened, just the wind was completely, out of their sails the rangers did what they've been doing this season and that was just a rough game all around man in a lot of different ways definitely all right so we had the opportunity in this game to see uh chris and kaylee chelios together um during the intermissions and the pre and the post game obviously didn't see the post game because we're doing the podcast but uh i've liked what she's brought i could use a little more and this is a lot of young broadcasters have this but she could use a little more like uh, pe- like pep to her voice. She's, a, I think she's a, still fighting the nerves a little bit, so she's a little bit like kind of soft spoken sometimes. Mm-hmm. But her her analysis is spot on. Usually, I I've really liked her her uh, 
hockey contributions to the conversation. I thought she did a good job. And I honestly thought Colby Cohen did a pretty good job with Foley tonight. I thought he definitely sounded he's been becoming more comfortable the more games that he's kind of spent in the booth. It hasn't really been easy for him since he's had to work with a couple of different partners. I think that that always will play a little bit into it as well. But I think that Pat Foley will instantly make a guy feel comfortable when he comes into the booth. I think. Well, he can also do the opposite, though. That is fair. If he deems you unworthy. <laughs> well, in his last season, I don't know how much of that he's going to be doing. So right. I, I thought that he uh, really sounded good with Colby tonight. I thought I think Colby has been kind of growing as a broadcaster with each uh, passing game that he does the play by play for. And I think that Kaylee Chelios, to kind of echo your point about her maybe having a little bit more kind of oomph and I guess sizzle, for lack of a better word, to her analysis It does kind of remind me of the way that Patrick Sharp kind of was almost seemingly a little bit shy about kind of offering opinions when he first started out on broadcast. And then as he kind of got more comfortable in his role, he could kind of see the shoulders loosen up a little bit. He would crack jokes every once in a while. I just think it's it's a process with every broadcaster. And I think that Kaylee did a really nice job on the radio with John Weideman and the games that she's done with him. It's interesting to kind of see her – trying out both of those roles because I think that either one of them could potentially be kind of a longer term thing for her here in Chicago. I'm just, I'm really curious to see which one she ends up kind of getting into more, I think would be uh, kind of the thing that I'd be paying attention with her kind of uh, following the trajectory of her career with the Blackhawks. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Listen, I've worked with broadcast professionals for two decades now and people think it's easy. It is not easy. It's it's very, very difficult to go and run a tight broadcast and not get lost in your words and not, you know, it, ha- look, it happened to us tonight, right? We've been doing this podcast forever and uh, <laughs> right. Both you and I stumbled on our words and we're just shooting from the hip. We don't have a break to worry about or a teleprompter to look at or a play to break down. We're just talking. It's very difficult. And I think she's done a great job and I think she will improve as she gets more comfortable and uh, I, I really like her in the analyst role. I think she's done a good job there. I have not had the chance to hear her much with Wideman. I'm just, I'm just usually locked and loaded on the TV um, when the Hawks are on. But I think she's done a great job. She was really great when she joined us ahead of uh, last season when she was with the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, one of the better analysts we had on in our season preview series. So uh, props to her. And, you know, Chris Chelios is Chris Chelios. You know, you're a guy who who's, was that good of a player. You can kind of go and sit down and just give your thoughts and do your thing. And, he, and he's he's not, you know, he's not the, the next Eddie Olchek or anything, but he can hold his own, too. And he's got the confidence and that's half the battle. So it was good to see. I, I It was cool to see a father daughter team together. Uh, it had to be really special for the two of them. And then John McEnroe called the pregame for some reason. <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> no, I did not. Yeah. He like called in the pregame show. They showed it during the second intermission. I said, Why? What, why are, why are we talking to John McEnroe? But okay, <laughs> neat, I guess. That's cool. Okay. Is it because he's friends with Chelios? Like... I, I don't know. All right, last thing I want to get to. Really cool thing if you're an NHL video game player. They announced today, and it's out today. They, are, they have the World Juniors rosters out, uh, which means they've got finally the official, like, national team uniforms instead of like an American flag on a blue Jersey. They've actually got the official USA hockey Jersey. Um, They've got the full world junior teams. And then out in January, 
they're letting the women get in the game, which is awesome. It's such a cool thing. It's taken a long time, but the female IIHF rosters are going to be in there too. And uh, it's just long overdue, man. Like, I don't know. Why does it take so long for this stuff to happen? It's it just, seems like it would be a really easy call to make. And it, and I'm sure there are stuff, there's stuff behind the scenes we probably don't know about in terms of yeah, it's all uh, contractual stuff, rights but. and stuff, but it's really good to see that they're making that move. I think it's a really smart one, a good one for them to make. And um, I don't play nearly as much NHL as you do, but I will say that that is definitely something that I'm going to be excited to check out for sure. Uh, well, uh, Tara Sloan tweeted out. Uh, she says, this is a tweet quote. When I was a kid, I liked Sylvan Turgeon because I saw him on a hockey card. Bo Jackson, because I saw him in a magazine and the Buffalo bills, because I played them in Sega football, seeing women in NHL 22 will introduce a whole generation to these amazing players. And that's true. That's great. Representation really is, is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's good for everybody. So I'm excited about that. I'm an NHL gamer. I play every night. I love it. I know it's flawed, but I still enjoy the hell out of it. So really excited about that portion. I'm going to, as soon as we wrap this podcast up, I'm going to go play a USA versus Canada world junior game. It's going to be a good do it. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast. Remember if you're listening on Thursday, December 9th, very few of you probably will be, but there's you can still order from our tea public shop and get it by Christmas. That link's in our bio. Classic tees in every color are 14 bucks. Get off up to 30% off of everything else in the store, so do that. Make sure you support our sponsors, the Simpson Law Group and Fry the Coop. And uh, hey, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Send us that screenshot, and I'll select three people at the end of the month for a Madhouse podcast. Pri- See, there I go. <laughs> for a Madhouse podcast prize pack. So again, take Boy, a, it's been one of those nights. It has, man. Take a picture of your five-star review, email it to us, madhousepod at gmail.com, and I'll enter you to win a prize pack. So for my partner, James DeVoe, I'm Jay Zawoski. We'll talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sits In Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.